You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Simpsonville teaching pastor, Jason Thompson. We are continuing our series, Called by God. Last week, we talked about how we are all called. If you're a child of God, then you are called. This week, we're talking about if you are called, then you've been equipped. God is not going to send you into that calling without equipping you. And so we're going to look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 has to say about spiritual gifts. Um, And so I don't know if you think about your spiritual gifts or this concept of spiritual gifts very often, but we're going to dive in deep today. And so I hope that you'll go ahead and turn there. Um, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. So if you're using an app, just click over to the NIV. If you have a different Bible than that, you may just want to listen. You might be, uh, have a hard time following along, but I'm going to start just with verse one. We're going to go through this entire chapter because I think everything in this chapter is profitable for this discussion. So let's look at this. Verse one. Now about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So basically saying like when you were pagans, you foolishly worship idols. And I don't know why you would do something like that, why you would carve wood and stone and and gold and silver, and then you hand make that idol, then you bow down to it. But hey, you know, before you used to do this, all right? And then he wants you to know, all right, but there is a spirit working among us. And if you have the right spirit, all right, you can't say Jesus be cursed. That those words can't come out of your mouth where you blaspheme Jesus and blaspheme the Holy Spirit. What will come out of your mouth is that Jesus is Lord. And that knowledge, that true belief that Jesus is Lord can only come by the Spirit. Then he says this, verse four. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And there's Three different parts here, okay? There's one spirit giving gifts, spiritual gifts, but there's also different kinds of service, different roles that you can fill and different workings within that role. So that's what he's talking about here. Now, verse seven. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one in the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So here, Paul is presenting this idea that there's one spirit and this one spirit for all believers is he's going, that spirit is going to give the children of God a spiritual gift, at least one. He's not going to leave you empty handed. Everyone has a spiritual gift. 
This is confirmed in multiple places in scripture, which we'll look a little bit more closely in a second. The question is, there's, a, there's some interesting things in this list. Miracles, speaking in tongues, prophecy, all kinds of things like this. The question is, why aren't we seeing these in the church on a regular basis? Paul is listing them very matter-of-factly. Like everyone should know what he's talking about and he's like looking at this. And he's, he's explaining the theory behind it, not that we even have it in the first place. And he, in other places, the scripture in Romans 12 and, and Peter does the same thing. They treat them matter-of-factly as they're gonna be gifts and you need to use them. So the question is, why aren't we seeing more of the gifts listed here in the church? Well, for one reason is there's a lot of churches that are teaching that these gifts are no longer valid. I mean, they are telling you those were for the apostles. That was for Jesus's time and to get the church off the ground, but that they're no longer valid. If you are here today and that is your belief, I am challenging you to go to scripture on the topic of spiritual gifts and see if you can defend that idea. You will not be able to do it. Over and over again, there's passages that talk about, I mean, Jesus himself, John 14 says, those that believe in me will do greater things than I did. Like what? That makes no sense. But if Jesus says it, he is not a liar. And Paul says, we have the spirit that raised Christ from the dead inside of us. And the spirit is working in the church and doing all these different things. And throughout his ministry from the, to the very end, we see miraculous things happening. I'm going to, really, it is an indefensible theology to believe that God no longer works this way. I'm going to, and I'm going to show you how much so, because I'm going to take you to the one passage that is used to say that they're, they're no longer valid. And it's, it's very easy to turn to. You just flip the page. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, which it's, it's funny. Paul is given a detailed chapter-by-chapter chapter explanation on how to use the gifts, and somehow they take a verse and twist it and make it say something it's not supposed to and detract from everything else he said, that's said around it. All right, so I'm looking at verse uh, 8 in chapter 13. This is the love chapter, but at the end it says this. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. You're like, whoa, 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 Jason, you just said that there's no scripture supporting that. It sounds like they, that, that supports that idea that they will go away, they will fade away. Let's read it in context and let's finish it out now. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. What is the face to face that he's talking about? Who? is the face-to-face with. It's with Jesus. When will prophecy cease? When will tongues be stilled? 
when you are face to face with Jesus, you will no longer have partial knowledge. You'll have the mind of Christ. You will no longer have broken bodies that need healed. You will have the body of the risen Savior. When everything is completed and all is said and done and we are face to face with Jesus, why do we need prophecies? We will know it all. That is what they're talking about here. And so one verse taken out of context is used to defend this. And then it's the only verse I'm even aware of that points to that direction. And so I, if, if you're here today and you're under that delusion, I, I hope that you will shed it. All right. But that goes back to our question then. Why don't we see more? Why is more of this not happening? The problem is there's two things you need to see miraculous works, signs of God, and, and showing up in these kind of ways. There's two things. One, you got to have faith. You got to believe that God will use you to do these things. You have to believe that God still works this way. You have to believe and have faith that God wants to do these things through the church. And I don't know that we have that level of faith where we're expecting it, that we want it that we are desiring it and calling out for it. The other thing that you have to have is a need for it, a reliance on God for it, to think that you can be comfortable and safe and see God work in miraculous ways is, is silly. You look at the Pharisees who came to him and asked for a sign. And Jesus was like, basically, I don't do party favors, all right? Like, I'm not here just to be a, a song and dance for you, all right? I'm, the only sign that you're going to get is my resurrection, all right? My death and resurrection. I don't do, work that way. But you see the paralytic man lowered through the roof, and he's like, I see your faith. I see your need. Stand up and walk. You see the woman with the, the disease of blood crawling on her hands and knees just to grab his hem. He turns around and he says, yeah, I will heal that. Show me your need. Show me your desire for it. Put yourself out there in a position where you absolutely need me, then you'll see him work. But to think that he's just going to work to make your comfortable life a little bit more comfortable, that's just not how God works. He wants to stretch us. He wants us to have so much faith that we put ourselves in a position where it will not work out unless he comes through for us. Then you will see God work. And over and over again, you see God doing amazing things. So I don't just believe it because scripture tells it to me though, but I do, I wanna give you more confirmation. Let me show you just real quick, 1 Peter 4. You don't have to turn there with me. But he, gets, he goes through this list of, of spiritual gifts too. And in verse 10, it says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, all right? Again, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. He's already assuming that we have gotten the gift, so now he's challenging us to use that gift how we're supposed to. And I don't just know this from scripture. 
I also know this from life application. We have seen God work in this way. It doesn't happen nearly as often as it should, but we've seen miracles at this church. We've seen prophecies fulfilled, all right? Just this last year, we saw a miraculous healing. One of our elders, Tim Poland, his wife, Carol Poland, developed breast cancer. And she went in and it was already bad, all right? They, she had a tumor that was five centimeters in diameter. That's, that's bigger than a golf ball. And obviously all the, the fears that come with that and the stress that comes from that and you're, you're thinking about gotta get on chemo immediately and gotta have surgery. And so they did. So she got on chemo, was on it for three weeks and, and it happened to be a, a meeting with the elders that was in their home and they were like, we wanna, wrap, we wanna do what James says. We wanna bring the elders around you. We wanna pray for you and we wanna pray for healing. So they did. Then Carol goes to her to her scan, she goes to have a scan before the operation and the doctor is scanning for it and can't find it. Like, I don't know what's going on. Chemo doesn't do this. Chemo might stop or shrink a little bit. Chemo does not make tumors disappear. And so she's confused. She's like, I don't know what you're doing, but whatever you're doing, keep doing it. But we're gonna proceed with the surgery and just make sure there's no lymph nodes and we'll get whatever tumor is in there. I just, I can't find it. And they go in to have the surgery and they still can't find it. They can't find anything. They can't even find damaged lymph nodes. God still heals miraculously. Don't question what he is able to do. And we have seen, oh man, so many prophecies come true with this church. And I, I grew up in a church that didn't really, never talked about prophecies or tongues or anything like that. And so it was weird for me, especially going out in, in faith and starting Renovation Church and hearing these prophecies and being like, okay. And I remember we were meeting, we, we, all right, we had no building, we had no money, um, we had no resources. And we were like, we're gonna start Renovation Church. And so we were, we were meeting in our youth pastor's upstairs bonus room as a staff um, during the week. And then we were meeting in the theater um, on Sundays and we were just completely mobile. And I remember there was a prophecy spoken um, and they said, that we would have multiple locations and thousands of people and tremendous impact. And it just went on and on. And I'm like, yeah, 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 that's nice. <laughs> and I, I'm like, just to show you how much faith I had, I had my teaching resume uploaded to the Greenville County School System. <laughs> it was ready just to click submit. That's all I had to do. It was already uploaded. I just had to click submit, but I was, I was waiting on submit, all right? And so that's how much faith I had. I was like, this... I'm looking around, this, how is this gonna work? But God is faithful now. We have multiple locations. We believe that God is gonna give us more. We have thousands of people and we've had impact. I'll show you one on the other end. Sometimes it's a word of warning. One of the things I love about our staff and what we do each year is when we go away for our staff retreat, we ask God for a word for the upcoming year. Um, a word or a phrase about what's gonna happen. And it's amazing how that word always comes to fruition. And the first four or five years of, of the church, it was always positive. I mean, it was growth and more and abundance. And it's like, yay. And then um, December 2019, we got a word. It says sifting. There will be a sifting of the church. And it's going to be a very hard year, but you will come out stronger the other side. 
that is not a word you want to hear. And it was like, did we get this right? And like, but it was confirmed multiple times. Like, what, we're three services. Things are booming. We talked about launching another church. Like, what is going to happen? We were worried about some moral failing or something like that. But no, pandemic of 2020. And it was like, it, we were prepared for it. But if you remember, it wasn't just the pandemic that year. I mean, then there, there were violent uh, protests all over the country. There was real angst between political sides. There was all this stuff about masks and vaccines and all this kind of stuff. There was turmoil in the church. And what you saw is who was gonna put God first? Who was gonna trust in him and was serious about this faith? And we did, we became stronger as a church through that learning process of that year. God is always faithful. And then there's the speaking of tongues. And I know that, that is a weird one for a lot of people. Um, and, but I'm, I'm telling you behind the scenes and you're like, is this gonna be this, one of those churches where people are running up and down the aisles and acting crazy? <laughs> No, because we follow scripture. And if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it tells you exactly how to pray in the spirit, how to speak in tongues, which is another way of saying praying in the spirit. And it says you have to do it in order, all right? And if you do it publicly, there needs to be an interpreter present, all right? But we have godly men and women in this church that pray in the spirit all the time. And I am telling you, if, if I want a prayer request answered, all right, I am going, that all of the prayer warriors that I can think of have this gift of praying in the spirit. Coincidence? I think not. I don't know what it is. Like, I do not have that gift, but I, the people that do just seem to have a revolutionary prayer life because they are praying in the spirit and they're trusting God in a special way. And so I'm saying all of these things are accessible to us. We need to embrace the fact that God has given each one of us a gift to use to be profitable for the church. But let's keep reading now. Let's see what else Paul has to say now looking in verse 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. I think we lose sight of how encouraging it is to think that Jesus is the head of the church, that the spirit is one with the church, that all the different body parts that we make up we are one with Christ. We are joined together. We are not separate. We are joined together with Christ as our head. I mean, that's just an encouraging thought. But now it says this in verse 15. Paul's giving a word of warning here. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker 
are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are, are, are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, I cannot sing. I am a terrible singer, but I am not tone deaf, all right? And so I can tell how bad I am. I can also <laughs> tell how bad other people are. And my wife has developed an unfortunate fascination lately. We, we like to cruise and she has developed a fascination with karaoke. She does not sing, but for some reason she wants to go. And I can only assume that there's a little part of sadism in her and she likes to torture me and see other people make a fool of themselves, all right? And this last cruise we were on, I guess it was children's hour, you know, mixed in with it. And um, there was a, a preteen that got up, I don't know, 10, 11, a little girl, and she attempted to sing All of Me by John Legend. All of me loves all of you. It was painful, all right? Like, it, it, I mean, it was brutal. I, my, my wife actually took a picture of me and my son trying to watch. Um, <laughs> you notice... I can't look, even though it's the sound that's killing me. It's, I can't look, but I also have my, my hands in my ears trying to drown out the noise. It, it's just cringeworthy. I, like cat being tortured level of sound coming out, right? And so, but and I'm the same way with American Idol. I don't know how you people watch that show, especially the first couple of episodes of the season, um, because it makes me cringe when people do it poorly, right? But they love to show those episodes of the people who have these hopes and dreams and they get up there and it's just awful. And of course, they're gonna tell them just how bad it is. You know who I blame in those situations? The friends and family members around that people. Like who is not telling them you can't sing their entire lives? They're going in there thinking they're gonna make American Idol and they sing like that. That is wrong. That's not love, all right? <laughs> Speak truth. Speak truth, all right? But we have also seen the same thing in church. If you have been in church for any length of time, then you have seen people on stage singing and you're like, what are they doing up there, all right? They can't carry a tune. I mean, it, it, they're off key. It's painful. But you've also seen pastors who can't preach. They're boring. They're rambling. They can't get the point across. Why do we do this? Well, we want the pastor to be everything. They have to be good at care. They have to be good at people. They have to be good with the finances and management of the church. No one has all those gifts but Jesus, right? And so we, we try to fit people and make them everything. And so sometimes you get pastors in the pulpit who can't teach and preach. And then you've seen it all throughout ministry. You're like, why is that person a door, door greeter? They don't even smile. They're not welcoming. They're awkward. Like, what are we doing over here? And so again and again, it's people not fulfilling their gifting and their calling and their role in ministry. We're, sometimes there we're eyes and we want to be ears. Or sometimes we're feet and we want to be the hands. 
And so because we're striving for other roles that we have not been called to, we're causing chaos among the body. And Paul is being like, if we're all eyes, how are we going to hear? We need to embrace the fact that every gift is important. And there's so many people that they, have, they want to be in a leadership role. And it, it, it works this way for almost everybody. You can move up, move up, whether in the work environment or in the church world, you show promise, you show promise. We just want to promote those people, promote those people too. They get, become a fish out of water and can't do what they're called to do. And so we want to be a church that recognizes people's gifts. And then here, here's point number two, embrace your gift, not someone else's. Embrace your role. And maybe it's just for a season that you're called to a specific role and to do some specific work. Maybe you'll be behind the scenes for a couple years and then maybe you'll be up front and center. Or maybe you're up front and center for a couple years and maybe you're behind the scenes at other times. Maybe your role is to always be behind the scenes. You are not gonna be judged by how much face time you get. You're not gonna be judged on what people think of you and your reputation. You're gonna be judged by how faithful you were to your calling. It's your gifts and talents, what did you do with it? If you only have two talents as opposed to the five or 10 that someone else got, use your two faithfully and you will hear the same message, well done, my good and faithful servant. Embrace your gifting, embrace your calling. All right, let's keep going. Let's finish this chapter out. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And here he gives them kind of an order. He's like, you think it's so cool to perform miraculous healings and to speak in tongues. And you think, you think that's awesome, but there's greater gifts. There's, there's teaching, there's being a prophet, there's getting a direct word from the Lord and sharing it with people. You know, value those gifts and don't value other people's gifts. Put them in the proper order. They're all important. We should be doing all of them, but put them in the proper order. Now, the last point that I want to leave with you is this, is that our churches are missing body parts. We are missing body parts. Sometimes it's because we cut off the body parts because we don't believe in them. All right, so, oh, I don't believe in prophecy. Just, you're, you're canceling the ability to have any prophets in your church. People that, and I'm not talking about like Moses level prophet, but people that have a gift of hearing direct from, directly from the Lord. And we're cutting off miraculous gifts and the healers that we could possibly have. And so because of our belief, we're cutting those off. Sometimes we're missing body parts because Satan is a jerk and he is wounding us and he is limiting our potential through sin. And so because we're believing lies of the enemy and we're living in sin, you're not using your gifting for the church. And sometimes it's, it's church leadership fault. Sometimes it's, it's us not recognizing the potential and not developing a discipleship system that is constantly inviting people to come and be a part and grow them and, and help them understand what their gifting is and where they can use it. And so we are working hard on that. We are, we are going beyond rooted. We have a 
Very exciting curriculum that's coming down the pipeline very soon called Called. All right, this series is, is, is a perfect fit for that new curriculum that's gonna be coming out soon. Uh, but we want to help you take you down that pathway. Until we have all the things in place though, you should be seeking out the church leadership and you should be saying, hey, I want to know my gifting. I want to understand more or here is my gifting. I've been told this all my life that I have this gifting. Where can I use it? Get plugged in and start serving. We are missing body parts. We're walking around with our pinky toes missing and one eye gouged out and a, and a bad limp and we don't have what we need. And I, I love, it. Paul is so funny in here and he, he just, he's very practical, but he even talks about, it. he's like, and sometimes we have special modesty for parts that are, that are, that are hidden. And you think about that because sometimes there's behind the scenes things that no one sees the inner workings of. But think about it, if we, like the things that are, are, we show the most modesty with, we didn't have that. We wouldn't have life itself. And the same is true for the church. Those behind the scenes things are happening. The, the, the men and women that are on their knees praying for the church. The people that are behind, back there in the childcare area breathing in life into our kids and shaping and molding the next generation. And there's just, there are people doing lawn care and that kind of stuff. People going to the widows and the orphans and sharing resources. There is so much to be done. There's so much potential out there. We have to have a fully healthy body to be the church that God has called us to be. And can we do it without you? Absolutely, God can do anything without any of us. But there is no way that the church can be as healthy without you as it is with you. Any dead weight that is in this room hurts us. But if you are willing to embrace your gift, step into your calling and use it for God's glory, then this church is gonna do great things. So I have two challenges for you as we close up. Two things I want you to do this week. Number one, I want you to consider prayerfully what is your next step about using your gift? Is it figuring out in the first place? Is it getting into serving here at the church? Is it starting to find a job, a career that actually uses your gifting as opposed to the other things that you can do? What is your next step for using your gift for the glory of God? The other thing I wanna challenge you to do is this, to join us in prayer that God will send us all the gifts. That he will open the storehouse of blessings of all the gifts and we see every single gift listed in the New Testament in this church. Actively using it, showing up all the time, not surprised by it. Amazing what the church could accomplish. I'm burdened for the church because our church is so fractured and we have churches that, that specialize in the charismatic kind of, kind of gifts, but maybe they need more sound teaching or more financial stability. And we have people that love the word and study the word all the time or are in that, in that doctrine, and, but, but they don't even believe in the gifts. And there's, we need, this is why Renovation Church wants to work with all churches and all denominations, because we wanna learn from them and we wanna help them learn more about these things. So if we work as one body of Christ and we're not so fractured and we're praying as a church that God will bring unity to the church and allow us to experience all the all the gifts in this church body. Imagine what that would look like. So join with us in prayer that these things will happen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for being our head. Thank you so much for your patience as we work out 
these appendages and, and where they, they should go and what they should do and the roles that we should have. I pray that whatever is blocking us from hearing and seeing where you've called us, that, that you remove that veil, that you will break those chains. I pray that this will be a church that believes everything that you say in scripture about what you have in store for us and that we will step into our calling, embrace the calling and the role that you have for us and that we will do it all for your honor and glory. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Church, we love you. As always, a prayer team will be down here. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.